Good morning. Well, this week, an aggrieved female columnist in the Irish Times complained that when running the women's mini-marathon, the supportive banners decorating the route were sexist because they said things like, run like you left the immersion on and don't worry, ladies, your hair still looks great. Is this really the kind of insidious, casual sexism that propagates the patriarchy or do some women really need to get a sense of humour? Casual sexism, stamp it out or grin and bear it. That's our talking point this morning. And in studio, Terry Prone is chairman of the Communications Clinic. Barbara Scully is a writer and broadcaster. Later, we'll have Joanna Williams, education editor at Spiked Magazine on the line. And Paul Hayes, chief executive of Beach Hut PR, is our token man on the panel who has cheerfully agreed to be patronised and objectified by the ladies this morning. I really like that shirt you're wearing, Paul. Thank you. It's, 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 it's man salmon. I'm trying to tone down my masculinity. <laughs> Good for you. Um, you can text us on 53106 for 30 cent with your comments and perhaps start by telling us if it's OK to be called ladies. Should it be women? Just being called a girl when you're 40 cheer you up or get you down Barbara's wincing already and we've a text already oh great another whine about sexism we'll try not to whine too much or get shrill that's the other <laughs> thing we do <laughs> Terry I thought the um, debate was neatly summed up in the Anya Collins Tom Barry Lapgate incident in the doll a couple of years ago late at night with a bit of drink take and Tom you might remember pulled Anya to his lap as she was trying to get to her seat in the doll and you know she said hey no harm done he's a friend of mine you know it's fine and women got annoyed with her for not being more annoyed about it what did you think about that episode and the reaction to it? I thought it was fascinating because it had so many layers to it number one the drink taken uh, it, it raised questions about our legislators and whether they should be actually imbibing uh, at that hour of the night or at any hour because the doll is a workplace. I find it outrageous that there actually is any bar, never mind. I think there's half a dozen bars in, in Dáil Éireann. That's the first thing. But the second thing was that it was greatly complicated by the official response from the party, which the f- initial one, which oh, was yeah. something about this was mere horseplay. And that drove people nuts. And it's one of those things that illustrates the us and them of communication. Just as gay people can call each other queer and it's part of a humour, the minute anybody who's straight uses the term, it is grievously offensive. And similarly, because this came from an official source, everybody went bananas. Then it was complicated by the fact that there was footage that could be played Mm. again and again and again. And then an aspect of feminism that I've always been fascinated by came into play. When feminism started in the 70s I would have watched the the white blue yonder the mad excitement of it in the beginning and then the fragmentation into purism a sense that you're not as much a feminist as I am I remember Nuala Fennell setting up an organisation for battered women and other feminists saying that that's that's not proper over here and the fragmentation getting more and more punitive and vicious about terminology and things like that and realising, ah, this is where a movement disintegrates when people are parsing each other's minor phrases and looking for relatively minor offences in casual sexism, then the energy has gone out of the thing. 
Mm. Um, Niall has texted in almost every single ad for any kind of detergent or cleaner along with most for food and plenty for insurance features stupid helpless men who cannot clean cook or look after themselves as a man does it offend me no couldn't care less this lady needs to relax and focus her energies on people associations who are sexist and deserve censure and imagine a woman panellist was called a token woman double standards alive and well so that's one for you already Paul Mm. clearly irony doesn't work on radio yeah Yeah. So, Barbara, are we getting offended about silly things? Stuff like the the banner at the Minis Marathon. Don't worry, ladies, your hair still looks great. Should you smile at that, you know, or should you say no? This is a I drove into town um, on Monday just ahead of the roads closing and those banners, and I have, it won't be of any surprise to anybody who knows me, I have very little interest in sport or running around or lycra or any of that stuff. So I was kind of had a vague uh, awareness of the mini marathon and I did cop those banners going in and kind of go, you know, well, they don't offend me, but I just thought they offended me in their lack of creativity, their unoriginality. Um, and so in that sense, uh, I kind of noticed them. I don't really regard that as any kind of serious sexism or anything that we need to worry about. Um, I think the going back to the Onya Collins thing, I, I totally agree with what, what Terry has said. Uh, but I think that that is a very um, clear example of where men, and and I wrote about this yesterday, where there is a culture, not all men, as I say, but enough men, feel that they have an entitlement to breach a woman's space and her own body uh, uh, integrity. And, and, you know, pulling somebody onto their lap is totally inappropriate in a workplace. Um, and that, to me, is a very clear example I... of the kind of behaviour that we need to call out and say, sorry, this isn't... And I mean, you know, the, the reaction of Anya Collins, you've got to put that into the context of p- politics and political parties and all the rest of it. So what she might say in the privacy of her own home might be quite different. I get very conflicted about it because... I don't want to lose my sense of humour. I love a bit of crack and sexual banter around the office, you know, and thank God there's still plenty of it alive because otherwise we'd just be bored to death. And yet, you know, their lines can be crossed. So how do you preserve the fact that we're all humans and not boring professional Well, again, I don't think anybody uh, would ever, has ever accused me of not having a sense of humour. And I am right up in having the crack as much as the next person. And, you know, um, so absolutely, I would hate to lose that. And I would hate to become so conscious of every little thing that was going on in interaction between men and women, you know, that that my life was was that serious. But I think that overcomplicates it. And it also is making... it's another way of deflecting the actual core of of the argument and the core of the problem that we have, which is this culture that allows men to feel that it's okay to criticise a woman's body, to criticise how you look um, and to make maybe lewd uh, suggestions or gestures um, and then to to, to actually touch. Can they compliment? Like if I come into the office and I have a nice dress and they say, hey, you look great, you have a nice dress. I mean, you know, again, I think, you know, part of this kind of trying to blur the lines to, to, in in inverted commas um, is the the fact that we're trying to make this sound terribly complicated. Um, The Employment Equality Act defines harassment as unwanted conduct uh, um, related to any of nine listed discriminatory grounds. But sexual harassment is is any form of unwanted verbal, non-verbal or physical conduct of a sexual nature. It is defined as conduct which has the purpose or effect of violating a person's dignity and creating an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating or offensive environment for the person. 
and that is prohibited under the Act. The unwanted conduct includes spoken words, gestures or the production and display of written words, pictures or other materials. This includes offensive gestures, facial expressions, unwelcome and offensive calendars, screensavers, emails and other offensive material. It's anything that makes a woman feel uncomfortable, unsafe um, when you're in, 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 in relation to her gender. And I don't think, you know, by saying, you know, can a guy say, you know, your hair is lovely today, you know, you look really well. Of course he can't. That's absolutely fine. That's not making me feel in any way anything other than good. And I think that's absolutely fine. Paul, is the problem that it's also subjective? Yes. One person's offensive is another yeah. person's joke. Your hair is really <laughs> lovely. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Your hair's lovely. Yeah. That's the problem. It's not that clear cut. It just isn't. And men are simple binary creatures. And when you confuse them with subtlety and argument around it, they're going to retreat. Oh, God, I'm already the embodiment of the patriarchy. And I'm not trying to be. I'm actually trying to be uh, more conscious of my inherent sexism. I'm sexist. Uh, all men and all women in a different way are sexist because we appreciate and, and understand the differences. I'm not so worried about the overt sexism. The you know the, I think you know that male TD came out of that actually probably a lot worse than course, Anya did. Yeah. And I think it's like gay marriage. The country was way ahead of where we needed the referendum to be. I think the country's way ahead on overt sexism. It's a ridicule. It's almost post-ironic. You know, when someone says, run like you've left the immersion on, it's you know, it, it was a guy at the women's golf who was saying, iron my shirts. Now, the joke was on him. It wasn't, you know, we're, we're beyond that. The insidious stuff is the subconscious sexism, the 90% that's in our elephant brain where we just don't include women in mm. or we decide it's easier not to have them or they challenge me too much or I don't know how to, I'm emotionally stunted and I don't know how to cope with women anyway. So I'm just going to make it easier for myself by leaving them off the pitch. Mm. That stuff is really hard because I don't think you can even consciously get to that point and how you fix that is... Above my pay grade, as they say. On the theme of lines being crossed, um, it really does depend. You can go into one company in Ireland and you find very quickly, oh, this is a classic Irish company. Indeed, I would say perhaps even a classic Dublin company where they operate by loving mutual abuse. They call each other <laughs> awful names. They yeah. imply awful alcoholism, drug addiction, perversion yeah. and sexism to each other. And everybody knows it. Everybody buys into it. And it's funny. The problem is when a new person comes into that. And that can be a real issue for companies. The second thing is then purpose and intent, Barbara, you mm. quoted from from the Act. I recently had to deal with a case, a company in Britain, where they had one of these uh, divisional heads days where everybody presents what their plans are for the coming year and all that jazz. And then they had a really nice dinner with a really nice couple of bottles of wine and everything. And some of the guys went off to, I don't know, have a cigarette, go to the loop. And when they came back, one of them stood behind one of the female divisional heads and gave her what became known as the unsought neck massage. Oh, yes. And her reaction was, I gather, very impressive because she rose to her feet, uh, glasses went everywhere and she told the guy that she was going to make a formal complaint to management (gasps) about sexual harassment. Now, I was then hauled in to uh, deal with the fallout. He was already gone because he had taken one look at this situation, said the hell with this, I can go somewhere else. Understandably, she was on stress leave. So it was all of the others that I was dealing with. And I was very struck that the women involved um, just said, no, no, 
this is sexual assault. It's assault. You cannot invade somebody else's space. And he wouldn't have done it to another man. And one of the other guys said, well, actually, he did. He was always doing it. He used to be in a gym. He was convinced that everybody had tension in their shoulders. And so he was. And that changed the argument quite a bit. I would have thought it's still invasion. If you're going to put your hands anywhere on somebody's skin, then you almost need to have permission. Yeah, but actually, Paul, I'll put that one back to you, though. Yes, it is a night. Do. It is a night out there. You know, there is drink taken. It is informal. You know, I'm not. I'm sorry to cut across you, yeah. but drink taken mm. used to be for 50 years the excuse for rape, mm. murder, pillage, mm. drunk driving, everything. Dr- drink taken is never, ever an excuse for anything. It doesn't create. That was the other problem that mm. this woman had. She was the one teetotaler there. Um, it doesn't create a commonality of permission. It just doesn't. Mm. And the notion that because it's dinner and because we're all having a glass of wine, we can behave differently is nowadays naive. I mean, I would be saying to women all the time, listen, don't get your knickers knotted, you should pardon the expression, Mm. about somebody calling you a lady. Mm. It's outdated, it's old. Be careful about, you will even today have men in their late 60s who are still in the workforce telling rape jokes, but it's a function of their age. It isn't an actual intent to harm. Mm. But if you're in a business setting at the end of a business day, the first thing I'd be saying is don't drink. Just don't drink. It isn't social. And the second thing is don't put your hands on somebody else. Mm. Well, Sorry, I cut across you. Yeah, yeah, well, well, I agree with you. Well, Paul, um, that is all true what Terry has said. And yet I know myself with a couple of glasses of champagne in me, no man is safe. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see your, your production so, staff were scared <laughs> on the other side. So I stopped drinking in a business slash social setting exactly <laughs> for that purpose. Learned the hard and way. And a grateful nation thanks you. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is we are human oh yeah we we have you to know. mate I think drinking is about lowering standards actually so that women are willing to accept the Irish male in its native state I think that's the problem but anyway sorry that's a facetious point um, but I would have been more forgiving of the guy who gave the neck massage uh, yeah I mean the problem is that there is sexual intent when it's usually between a man and a woman where right. there isn't between two men unless they happen to be gay and geez, it's so difficult you just have to I'm gender fluid myself I'm yes. just trying to you know yeah. uh, accommodate everything here uh, it's 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 difficult because most romances start in the office. Most, I met my husband at work. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's 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 yeah. where does it get to? You know, almost all single men's intent is I am going to sleep with that person when they're shaking your hand. That's <laughs> that, that's the default position. Ninety nine percent of men then realize that they're not allowed, and the, that very quick signals come. But all intent pretty much contravenes the uh, the harassment state, and then it's then it has to be pushed back upon you quite rightly, and that that isn't allowed. But that's the default position, and therefore it becomes the problem. I guess here is when it goes wrong, this goes into a very dark place. So it's it's funny at the start and not funny at the end, and that's where you know HR people come in. I've I've uh, I've heard stories about a HR person who has uh, and working in technology companies where they have people in California and they have people in Ireland, and it's almost impossible for them to uh, what can I say. 
uh, put a set of uh, uh, principles, cohesive principles together because the millennials on both sides of the ponds have very different attitudes to workplace. Well, it's very early in the morning, but uh, if I can use a euphemism like a small child, uh, they're at it like rabbits in America in the stairwell during the day. Right. Uh, But if you say the wrong word or you, you know, a trigger word or anything, they go to their safe space and the lawyers are called. And in Dublin, uh, which I think is really letting the side down, they're not at it in the stairwells. But just like Terry said, there's kind of a mutual slagging and abuse that goes on that is out of context, is awful, but actually creates a, an esprit de corps that yeah. people just say anything to each other. And yeah. when the Californians come over, they're freaked out by it. Barbara, I remember once at a, a company barbecue and and yes, I had drink taken and so had the guy I was talking to, a colleague of mine, who managed to persuade me that he had very important documents in his car that I really needed to see immediately. <laughs> I was young. I said, oh, my goodness, these must be terribly important. Off I went to the car, lunge, you know. I extracted myself, stormed back into the building and thought, what an idiot was I? Oh, my God, never fall for that one again, Sarah. I think they would call that victim blaming now. But I never mentioned it to him or anyone again. We're still pals. You know, it was a bad moment. We let ourselves down. Move on. But isn't that what, and I mean, that's what Paul referenced as well when he said we're all sexist. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that we all, it reminds me of Panty Bliss's noble call when she said we all have to check ourselves. And my yeah. mother actually quoted it when we were having coffee the other day. And I was telling her about the piece that I had submitted to The Independent about sexism um, yesterday, um, which basically was saying that, well, to, to wrote back, uh, Rosemary McCabe, who's a journalist and a blogger, had started a thread on Twitter um, just cataloguing various different occasions where she had been groped or uh, or worse by men in various different situations, totally unwanted, totally unwarranted. And she just catalogued these um, on Twitter and it started a conversation going. And as I was reading it, my initial reaction was, oh, for heaven's sake, did you have to go for counselling after it? You know, were you all right? Was there a bruise? You know, were you hurt? Well, if you weren't, like, get over it. And then I suddenly thought, hang on, this is exactly part of the problem is that Certainly my generation and before me, and I think it's different now, but it's just as bad. We were we were brought up to think and it wasn't that anybody sat down and told you this. It was so much part of, you know, just what was what was in the ether and in the water. You accepted it that as a girl, men were going to possibly put you in situations where you felt deeply uncomfortable um, embarrassed ashamed um, unsafe and that that was just part of it so that you didn't speak about it and I suddenly started to remember stuff that happened to me when I was a child none of which ended up with me having to go to the guards or anything like that but that we're deeply uncomfortable and we're deep and we're not right and I was telling my mother this because these were things I had never told her and I said you know when I was 13 this happened and when I was 15 this happened and then she started to tell me about stuff that happened to her and my mother's nearly 82 I think and 81 and um, she started to tell me about stuff that happened to her when she was a child when a workman came into their house they were having work done in the garden and she was about 10 and as you know as he passed he put down his wheelbarrow and, and kind of pushed her against the shed and kind of rubbed up against her and asked her did she enjoy that did she like that she was about 10 years old and it happened again and again when she was a teenager when she was at school and the, the last episode that she recounted was when she was pushing one of us in a pram um, and somebody put his hand up her skirt as they were as they were walking by. And to watch my mother suddenly the penny drop and she get angry now. And she said, 
that wasn't right. And she said, I never told anybody about it. I never spoke about it either because it was part of what was considered to be. And the more and when I wrote about it yesterday, I was absolutely stunned by the number of people who contacted me directly by text on Twitter, on all the other social media platforms to which I am addicted. Giving isn't me that, the isn't same that a problem stories. of power Paul. as well? It's More power. Than, I actually think it's power and class over sexism is how it's expressed. Um, but and bear with me on this because I could really get myself in trouble here. But I actually think when you look at women are at the very top of most of the institutions in the country at the moment: the guards, the attorney general, the judiciary. You know, legal uh, medicine. They're 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 up there. But it's in the top ten percent of percentile income and where they get to. I think where the problem comes is and and for want of a cliche those women know how to handle themselves they know how to humiliate a man they know how to push back they know how to play power games and they have power but that sounds as if the rest of women it's their fault by no 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 no, no. it's harder it's harder for women that are in jobs that aren't that powerful or they're not in power and And that's really difficult the other thing that's interested and which dawned on me as I was recounting my own experiences is that mine kind of stopped when I became um, an adult and I started to work now some of that is because I worked always in female dominated industries generally Um, but number two was I think the fact that I'm six feet tall and the fact that most men are looking up to me and the rest of them are looking you know, me in the eye and that made a difference. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as easy to intimidate or to you know, bully or harass in a physical way yeah. as somebody who was smaller. Um, and Sinead Burke catalogued an awful... Yeah, I, I have to take a break now mm-hmm. but I did read your article yesterday and it really did strike me that what I have been doing all my life and it only hit me until I read your article was I've just accepted it. That's it and so did I. I just accepted it and said well that's the way life is. Yeah. So and I wouldn't yeah. like my daughters to have to, yeah. you know, just accept it because it's the, it's not right. Yeah. And there is a direct link. I have to take this break. We'll be back Joanna with Joanna Williams after this. Good morning and welcome back to Talking Point in studio. Terry Prone, Barbara Scully and Paul Hayes and we've Joanna Williams, Education Editor at Spiked Magazine on the line and we're talking about casual sexism. Where are the boundaries and how should women react? Good morning, Joanna. Oh, lovely to be with you. Um, Joanna, something like, you know, let's take a wolf whistle. Uh-huh. You know, you're walking down the street. How are we supposed to react to something like that? Well, I think that is actually a, a third option. Um, I've been following some of your discussion this morning and it just seems as if the debate's quite polarised between the idea that women have to passively accept or forgive or put up with sexist behaviour um, or they have to report it, um, they have to bring in official complaints. I actually think the best way to deal with something like a wolf whistle or even a massage that you don't want at the end of a, a formal meal is to deal with it there and then. Um, you turn around and depending on the situation, either humour or tell someone where to go in not terribly polite language or even turn around and slap them across the face. And I think women nowadays are powerful enough and quite capable of giving as good as they get and not passively accepting, but neither needing to run to make formal complaints either. Um, well, Paul Hayes was mentioning the issue of power, you, mm. know, you know, that the, we see women who are in top jobs, you know, in our society and they got there because they can handle themselves. But it's the women lower down the ranks who may feel that they're just not in a position to fight back. You see, I think all women are. Um, my, my big concern nowadays is that it's actually feminist campaigns such as um, everyday sexism that are actually promoting the message that young women in particular are quite helpless, that they are victims in society. 
and that the world is out to conspire against them and that they are, are victims and, and the predators, men are predators and they need to be constantly on their guard. Um, you know, from compliments that might be paid to them via social media or sexist adverts and that women are, are kind of perpetual victims. And actually that flies in the face of reality nowadays because women are doing better in every aspect of life that you can possibly think of. It's not the 1970s anymore and it's definitely not Victorian times. Um, and life for women is, is better than it's ever been and they're definitely not victims. And um, why why do you think women react in such different ways when something happens to them or something is said to them? You know, that I might just brush something off and someone else is in tears, you know, genuinely upset about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a really interesting question. My big fear as a mother is that there's a generational difference here and that older women, and I'm including myself very much in that category, um, are, have grown up um, and have had perhaps to have a few struggles to get to where they are and are capable of turning around and telling men to go away, leave them alone. And um, call, when I say calling out sexist behaviour, I don't mean um, calling on police or, or calling on um, human resources departments, but actually dealing with it there and then. But my big concern is that young women in particular nowadays have grown up with this message that they don't cope with sexist behaviour, insults, whatever it is, um, without being having to bring in formal channels of complaint. And I think that really escalates problems for both men and women. But like I said, more than anything, it, it does create this, this image, this, this message for young women that they are helpless. And I think that's really, really unhelpful. We're getting a lot of texts in and one of them is talking about the rape case um, during the week, uh, Brock Turner, the guy in Stanford. And what I thought was one interesting aspect of that was a friend of his, a woman called Leslie Rasmussen, wrote to the judge as part of the usual character references, you know, to say, look, I've known him since childhood. He's okay. This is out of character. She plays in a band with her two sisters and a string of their concerts have now been cancelled. And the head of one of the festivals, music festivals who cancelled them from the lineup said when people choose to defend something then I think they should be held accountable for it and it's part of this no platforming uh-huh. what do you think about that well I think there's two different things going on here I mean I think first of all that rape case that's been in the news this week from America um, I think is is just completely outrageous and I think it's important to make that point in a way though it shows how shocking and thankfully how rare these things are the very fact that we're talking about it the fact that this has made news around the world um, if, if this kind of thing was happening frequently we wouldn't be talking about this one particular issue um, I think in terms of the no platforming thing, this is something which is going on in universities throughout the Western world. And I think, again, it really uh, sends out the message to young people that they can't even cope, and young women in particular, that they can't cope with even debate, even hearing free speech, even hearing people talk. So when you hear, and again, I guess this is where the generational difference comes in, because when you hear about feminists like Jermaine Greer, uh, being told that there were petitions being started against people like Jermaine Greer who, who from, from speaking at a university, the message that women are hearing and sending out themselves at that point is that they can't cope with hearing arguments they disagree with that are being made by a feminist. Finally, Joanna, do you believe in misogyny? 
that, I mean, that's a very, very difficult question. Um, I think possibly there are some people who hate women, men who hate women. Similarly, I also think there are women who hate men. Um, but I, I don't think this is something that has a grip upon society as a whole. I possibly find misogyny slightly easier to believe in than the existence of a patriarchy. And that's the thing that you hear talked about most nowadays in these discussions around feminism and sexism that that the kind of casual sexism reinforces the um, power of a patriarchy and whenever I hear that word patriarchy it just makes me think come on this is not Victorian times Um, you know where is this patriarchy who are uh, members of the patriarchy and when I look at the reality of life for most young men growing up nowadays it's just far from reality that there is some kind of mysterious patriarchy helping them out and giving them golden handshakes at every opportunity. Okay, Joanna Williams, thanks a million for joining us this morning. Um, A lot of your texts coming in. I work in a semi-state company in Cork. It goes way past casual sexism to full-on sexual harassment on a daily basis. Some of the things that the men say to women and about women in there would actually churn your stomach. Our management, who are all men, laugh along. The jokes about our menstrual cycles and bodies are never ending. I would leave in the morning if I got a steady job. I won't give my name, but it's depressing. Um, Plenty of young men get sexually harassed and others by women in the workplace which seems to be ignored by most debates is just as uncomfortable for a young man in this situation by the way I'm a woman another texter says Sarah let me get straight this straight if she fancies him and he's good looking it's harmless sexual banter if he's a plain looking dork then it's sexual harassment Um, women themselves are the real issue says another texter when speaking about women's bodies they are far more critical of each other I think I concur with that I think women are very judgmental it's promoted in all those magazines even and uh, finally in my humble opinion political correctness would be responsible for the death of humour. Offence will never kill or cause physical harm, yet it seems to be the greatest modern crime. The posters mentioned may be in bad taste, but I would forward that the immersion poster is more an Irishism than a sexist remark. Um, I'd agree with that. Can um, I come back on yes, one thing that yeah. uh, Joanna Williams said, yeah. which I really take, uh, I, I need to take to task. She said rape is rare. It's not. Rape is not rare. She And I don't have the figures in front of me, but yeah. rape is not rare. And she can go to the Rape Crisis Centre here um, or any of the other figures. Rape is not rare. The ones we hear about and that particular case in Stanford we heard about because of the judgment. Um, he got uh, six he months. He got six months and the judge and his father and various people said it was like 20 minutes of action and it was the underplaying of it. But rape is not rare. What, what? The other thing which I want to take take her up on was the fact that uh, this, this notion that um, these kind of conversations are giving the message to young women that they are are helpless and powerless and you know um, they just you know there's nothing they can do about it unless they go and take up make complaints in a formal way about every single thing whatever way a woman reacts to whatever kind of sexism is entirely a matter for herself so for example if you're walking down a street and somebody and this was an example given by Laura Bates actually who um, is the founder of the Everyday Sexism Project um, and I want to mention her book in a minute because it's brilliant for parents uh, and for young girls but she gave the example of somebody walking down the street and, you know, a load of builder, a woman walking down the street and suddenly go, oh, look at the, you know, look at the tits on that or whatever. And she said one woman's reaction was to stop dead straight, look down at her ch- and shout like roar as if she'd never seen her tits before. She never realised <laughs> she was. And if that's the way that you counter it, because the guys on the scaffoldings all were a bit like you know, couldn't compute this reaction because it wasn't what they're used to. So it's up to you to to counter whatever it is you come across in whatever way. Um, and I think that one of the things, as I said, I mentioned uh, Laura Bates, she's written a book called Girl Up, which 
calls out all of these type of sexism from kind of, you know, the stuff that you get online. Um, and the fact that and, and um, again Joanna Williams mentioned the fact that you know we're not living in the 70s any longer thank God we're not living in the 70s any longer and anybody who looks back at television from that era will see how kind of sexist an awful lot of it was and it was mainstream and it was acceptable but I do think that our girls nowadays have a whole different thing to come at to, to counter with social media and the fact that porn has now infiltrated the minds of the boys and the girls and everybody has a skewed notion as to what a healthy sex life is all about. And one of the things that's great about this book is that Laura Bates gives girls practical kind of um, methodologies as to how to counter a lot of that stuff. Um, Terry, sometimes I wonder if it is actually worse. Uh, two Christmases ago I was in Dohany Nesbitt's after my pals and I went out for a Christmas dinner and one of my male friends, Joe, good morning if you're listening, had to physically escort me to the ladies wait outside and then escort me back to where we were sitting because when I tried to go to the loo first I was just being grabbed by men now not groped actually pulled into them and I'm not someone who scares easily but I actually was frightened and I had to go back and get someone to help me and I thought it wasn't like this 20 years ago this is is it because I'm small maybe they recognise my face something like that I don't know it felt more intimidating than it used to be Sarah, you're asking me the one question that I'm absolutely qualified not to answer because I don't go to pubs, so I have no experience one way or the other. There's a couple of things. First of all, the fact that there is a need for the book that Barbara quotes is an indictment of parents because I can remember early on uh, when I was still at school being told this could happen, that could happen, the other could happen, here's what you do. And as a result, when I went into RT at one stage, I was told, I was warned about a particular guy because we have always talked about this stuff. It's nonsense to say that we don't talk about it. I was told the one thing is you must never get into the lift with your man. Lethal, 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 lethal. And so the only time I did get into the lift with him, I was so braced that I must have looked like um, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali um, and he, he didn't do anything. But we passed on the information and we knew how to cope with it. That said, Joanna makes one good point, which is that going the legal route is a temptation in an increasingly bureaucratic Mm. society, Mm. particularly people in large companies. They know all of the policies and they think I'll go the legal route. I have never seen anybody whose career was enhanced by Mm. doing that. I remember 20 years ago when I would stand up in front of a course and going back to to the point made earlier. Now uh, courses would be even Stephen and there would be the most powerful people are often the women. Back then it was usually Uh, 90% men and the most powerful people present were men and I used to have a little bet on with the other people in the office how long the course would go with me leading before somebody called me honey or love or something like that and got their metaphorical arm broken because I worked out very early directness humour kill it, move on and do, and the person who tried it on would usually be by far the best performer in the course because they just had extra uh, energy to, to use. The one thing that I think that we need to be careful of, Barbara was talking about social media and it seems to me that the old thing of thesis, antithesis, synthesis has stopped. All we have is 
thesis, antithesis. All we have is this shouldn't happen. Oh, yet it, yes, it should. You're stupid, vile, whatever the thing is. And one of the key areas that that uh, I, I worry about is the area of rape. Because any good card carrying feminist knows that rape is a crime of power. Mm. It is not a sexual desire Mm. crime. It is a crime that affects 80 year old women, little boys, Mm -hmm. little children. It's all about power. But that bit of information, oddly, doesn't pass through generations. The only bit that seems to pass is the grapevine information of she brought it on herself. Look at the short skirt on her. She shouldn't have been in that street. She had drink taken or Mm. any of the myriad Mm -hmm. reasons that and that is why we still, even though rape is as prevalent as it is, we still have so few convictions. Sorry. No, Paul, hold your thought. I have to take a break. Write it down. Don't forget it. I'll be straight back after these. Good morning and welcome back to Talking Point. And I'm sorry we've been telling bad jokes in the break. Uh, we're talking about casual sexism this morning. Terry Prone, Paul Hayes and Barbara Scully are with me in studio. Uh, Texter says, what a disgraceful comment by your guest. Um, he's Mark and Loud is referring to Joanna Williams that a woman should slap a man on the face for a whistle. This is an act of violence and is also a form of sexism and she knows most likely the man will not react. And another person says, I think that lady on the phone makes great sense. Women can deal with appropriate behaviour. As a HR specialist, my advice to all is treat people with respect in particular personal boundaries. Now, Paul, you wanted to say something. Well, at the risk of of, of, uh, committing the crime of mansplaining, (laughs) I am now going to take the opportunity to explain how men get on in business. And it's not... It's not that complicated. It's it's a couple of thousand years of evolutionary biology. Men are superficial. Men are socially slutty. We have a very wide range of very, very shallow relationships. And it turns out that the function of the number of relationships you have is usually the number of, uh, uh, it's correlated to how much business you do. Women, on the other hand, tend to have a much smaller number of very deep relationships. It's why you live longer. So congratulations on that. And that this uh, this was an Oxford professor who was a woman who who, who schooled me on this um, uh, recently. And she she's said, still a woman. Uh, she's still a woman. Uh, yeah, uh, still a woman. And uh, but her point was, it's almost impossible for us to go against that evolutionary biology. She allowed for all of the things, mm. you know, having children and and sexism in the workplace and everything else. And there's a choice there to be made. Like even if a guy's an idiot, I'll have a point with him. Yeah. You know, because I'm just I'm not discriminatory as a man. I'm just not. And I'll probably do business with them and I'll do it. And maybe it's a cliche. Maybe it's not. Most women won't. Mm. And that's inherent to, I think, to our biological or physiological or wiring. And I think that that taps into the great debate. You know, is it the left wing story of we're the blank slate and all conditioned? Or are we Steven Pinker? You know, are we just inherently stereotyped? But but I'm saying you can you can you can get there and you can do it. It's like when Joanne said, you know, you slap a man in the face. You never do that. I mean, you never do that whether you're a man or a woman, Mm -hmm. because you do that maybe once or twice in your career. But if you do it every day, you're, you're sin bent. You're gone. Barbara, I want to tell you a story. Um, I went to Trinity College. I went in when I was 17, just turned 17. And was when I was out going to work, God help me. Go on. <laughs> I was, able for this conversation. I, I was struck by how really it was a bear pit and that the, the, the big thing was the deflowering of the fresher virgins. You know, that was the great task. And I valiantly defended my honour. You know that in UCD? <laughs> It, the Trinity Ball one year, a friend of mine who was absolutely nuts about this guy, she was totally mad about him. She slept with him on the night of the ball in his rooms. Whereupon he took the sheets and came out and displayed them to the assembled masses to prove that the deed had been done. 
Um, she completed her studies abroad and I never saw her again. I met him 15 years later and he was gay. And I saw a lot of that where men were trying to work out who they were and were doing mean things to women in the process. Wow, um, I didn't see that coming. What would you, Barbara? Yeah. I'm not sure that there is a correlation between men working out their sexuality necessarily meaning that they would be so horrible as that guy was to a woman. I'm not sure that I think that was just Extreme. he was just a horrible person yeah. um, regardless of how he had to work out his sexuality I, I see that as two separate things um, it makes me glad I didn't go to college um, I mean that's just outrageous but it, but again it links back into the reaction I got yesterday there was a load of women last night on Twitter having conversation about um, experiences they had when they were babysitting when they were 15 about you know and these were middle aged men uh, family men driving them home pulling over and l- lunging at them and looking for a kiss on the way out of the car to one woman who said that she used to have to sleep over in the house where she was babysitting which was very common I remember doing that myself when I was babysitting and she realised the man of the house was coming up and watching her when she slept when he told her one day about the colour underwear she was wearing Mm. you know Terry that incident marked me I think that for all my jokes and acceptance of what you have to put up with it actually did get into my brain that's what they're after they just want to get you and then you show and off. Andrea Dworkin all uh, men are <laughs> potential rapists uh, it, not only do I not buy it but I don't believe anybody should buy it because sorry it by what the all men the are rapists notion that all men are rapists or that somebody working out their sexuality would be empowered to do something so sadistic and medieval um, the the fact is that you said earlier we're all human. We tend to use that phrase and say, well, we're all human when we are excusing things. I think that we need to use it the other way to say we are all human. There is the capacity here at this stage, given the level of education and the capacity to communicate that we have, to develop a, a new empowerment for women, and I hate to use the word empowerment, a sense of humour about the small annoyances. I've never understood why Albert Reynolds got into such trouble over the casual remark, That's there is women for you. you. Um, and an understanding of, particularly among women, I'm always saying to the women that I work with, where are you going? What do you want? What are your priorities? Well, don't feck and sweat the small stuff, mm. because if you get obsessed with the wrong word being used or somebody being slightly over familiar with you, you will go nowhere and you will not affect the annoyances that affect other women. And I'm afraid that's the last word. Sorry, Paul, I know you wanted to get back in today. That is it for today. Many thanks to my guests, Ronan Brandnock Research, Joe Coffey produced, Bobby Kerr is up next, full of sunshine and energy. Marion Kennedy was on sound. Thank you for listening. <laughs> 